I would pay probably upwards of 100 quid and watch Eric Cantona walk on stage, put his collar up, say the Seagulls line, and then just stand there for an hour and a half. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Now, you're very welcome back. It is time for us to chat wrestling. Um, I'm going to say American-Irish. Irishman in America. Mm. Jack Moody is maybe the fairest way to do this. Uh, I only found out your real name when we met outside the yeah, building about right. 15, that's 20 right. minutes ago. And we've been DMing for a while on, yeah, uh, for on a Twitter. Of, a so months. do you want to go by Lorcan or do you want to go by Jack? Oh, we can interchange. I guess it's, uh, you know, that's a, the alter ego is, uh, is Jack and Lorcan is my name. So... I'm a lifelong wrestling fan turned wrestler. Um, and yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Which becomes a very obvious first question, which is why a couple of years ago did you decide to dip your toe into the ring as opposed to being a fan? Well, I guess this is a story of, you know, hopping off the corporate ladder and uh, springboarding onto the pro wrestling ladder, so to speak. Uh, not quite as elegantly as a Shelton Benjamin, <laughs> but close enough. Um, and yeah, basically using the significant like time and energy surplus that comes with taking yourself out of a corporate environment and putting that to work uh, towards something that I've wanted for a very long time, which is to be a pro wrestler and to wrestle internationally and to basically leave no stone unturned in pursuit of this goal. So you were working as a copywriter. That's right. At the time. A couple of years ago, yep. right in the middle of the pandemic, mm-hmm. at a time when independent wrestling is probably at its lowest ebb for a while <laughs> and plenty that. of challenges, you and you decide that. wrestling's for me. Yeah, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say I decided then. I mean, I kind of knew from a young age that wrestling, I had a particularly special connection with wrestling. I'm sure a lot of listeners can attest to this, like, you know, being a kid on a Saturday morning, turning on Sky One, watching Livewire, watching SmackDown. I just so been totally the edited SmackDown is where you got the yeah, book. exactly. No chair shots. Yeah. Um, so I've just been totally enthralled in the spectacle of it, and uh, you know, then you know, it turns into this like huge passion and obsession, really, that never went away. I think for a lot of people, they watch it from like eight to like twelve. And then once it's deemed to be kind of uncool, or once you go to secondary school, basically, a lot of people fall off the wagon. And that was probably the time for me where I just doubled down on it and became uh, like so fascinated with like the art of wrestling and like not just the storylines and the characters, but actually how the moves were carried out, how matches were structured. Um, and then I think once you hit that level of fandom, it's uh, you're you're honestly down the rabbit hole and you're just hooked for life. There might have been a year. Um, from like age eight to now where I maybe was kind of had a kind of a passive interest in it but yeah it's just been an obsession and it just grew and grew and grew and I think for the the pandemic was a critical time in that I think for a lot of people they're like right well what am I doing with my life like what do I actually want to do I think life can get away from a lot of people me included like where you're just going through the the rigmarole of corporate life and the pandemic made me realize like there's more to this and there's something I have this in me that I really want to do I really want to try it at least um and I would encourage anyone who has a similar interest or you know a passion for it that isn't going away to do something about it and try it because you never know where it can take you. Uh, it's not for everyone. Obviously, it's hugely physically demanding and taxing, and you have to sacrifice a lot. Um, but it's so it's, it's so fulfilling and rewarding to you know go from fan to wrestler and to you know that journey alone is worth pursuing and, and experiencing you know so there's you don't have to have like a, a destination in mind it's more about like just enjoying the fact that you are doing this something you've loved for for so long and uh, just going for it and that's a, be- that is a beautiful feeling were you already based in the usa for work at that stage or had you moved over no no so i would say um last summer things took an interesting turn where i happened i had i probably had about nine months training under my belt okay. And I was in Denver, Colorado, and I began training with a group called Primo's Wrestling. 
um, and I guess I impressed the right people at the right time. I'm, I'm assuming they're based around the clones in Puerto Rico, are they? Or is that's, that the, the, that's their origin, yeah. Okay. Um, so they um, they basically saw something in me and were willing to give me an opportunity, so very grateful to them for that. They put me on one of their summer shows, and then that just unlocked a kind of myriad of opportunities to go wrestle in Salt Lake City, various parts of Colorado. And then you're just like riding this wave of momentum when you're you're kind of a runaway train and you that's what wrestling is it's a momentum game like one show leads to another you're uh, you get you get recognized and people want you on your on their show because I think anyone who has done a J1 to like a more remote part of the US can probably attest to the fact that like Americans are very welcoming and accommodating of Irish people mm. Uh, way more so than we would be to them, I would say. Is this why you're wearing a tricolor when you come out to the ring then? Uh, yeah, the well, it's part of the gimmick, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think, like, I'm a super pale, super Irish, like, I look Irish, um, and I have a very distinct style in the ring. So I think that sets me apart a little bit. And then it's just, once they give you the opportunity, it's on you to then validate that decision in their mind. Um, and that's been the case for the last, yeah, like, since last summer. So another another full year has gone past, and I've just got back from a few months over there, and wrestling on bigger shows than I imagined possible uh, when I started um, so that goes back to the fact that you know you just never know um, like everyone's road in wrestling is different and mine is, is unique in that it's I've gone to the states at, a, at an earlier stage um, but it's worked out tremendously mm. um, I'm very proud of it No risk then that you're putting on the spray fake tan then Absolutely not. No, that's. I mean, I, I commend people who do it uh, for the art, for the entertainment factor. But when I'm over there, it's like as pale as like I'll be. I'll be shading from the hiding from the sun, um, and yeah, that's just part of the appeal. Um, once you bring something different to the table, something unique, uh, and your character is on point. So if, whether I'm a good guy or a bad guy, mm-hmm. the, you want people to react or to to care about you being there. So from the moment you're coming through the curtain till the moment you're finished your match, that is your airtime. So it's like you want to convey who you are. Um, give them a compelling reason to care about what you're doing and then obviously you want to uh, you want them to kind of generate some interest in you for future shows um, so that's that's part of the gig What was your inspiration then? Because I've been reading that you were obviously very interested in the Super Juniors the yes, Technicians yeah. maybe some uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling yeah. maybe that was a bit of inspiration mm-hmm. so when you were thinking about the style of wrestling you wanted to be was that what you were hoping to emulate in the first place? I would say I, I always had a deep appreciation for that style and I mean I think it's so intricate in its nature that it takes a huge amount of practice to refine and hone and it just so happens that Fight Factory Pro Wrestling which is where I started here in Dublin um, that is kind of a style that's like the home style um, so I was able to train with some of the wor- like Europe's best uh, like LJ Cleary Fabio Martin Steers Debbie Keitel Savers of Destiny plus you had like cornerstones of the Irish wrestling scene over the last decade such as Justy Phil Boyd Katie Harvey who are kind of n- nurturing and ushering in the new generation and this, it just so happens that the style that is most on show there is kind of technical catch as catch can style and I think once I started to experience and to you know see what was involved, I was just hooked on it. Like you know, I think you can be a fan, but then once you're actually in the ring ex- executing uh, flashy wrist lock reversals, it's just a thrill like no other. Um, it's really nerdy and geeky, but like that's just what I what I love. So, um, and Fight Factory is just a perfect place to learn that style. Like it is internationally renowned mm. for that style. Like I've been in uh, LA, like training in LA, and people would see my Fight Factory um, tank top, they and they're like, "Oh, Fight Factory!" Like, and they'll know wrestlers who've who've come through the ranks. And I mean, the the track record speaks for itself. Like you have like Finn Balor, Becky Lynch, JD McDonough, uh, Lyra Valkyria, all coming through the ranks of Fight Factory, and they've all made it to, to WWE. So. 
and, and like that conveyor belt of pro wrestling talent that is Fight Factory continues to churn out amazing talent and uh, yeah, I'm very proud to be a part of it does it help when you're I don't mean to use the phrase chasing the dream but you know exactly what I mean by that mm. when you're thinking of I'm going to try and realise what I wanted to do and to become a professional wrestler that in recent years you watch Becky Lynch headlining at WrestleMania you watch Finn Balor who is like incredibly um, up with the Judgment Day currently yeah, yeah. has you know wrestled at WrestleMania so is Sheamus he's been a world champion mm-hmm. um, all these people doing so well even Falter holding the Intercontinental as Gunter yeah. when he had to change his name <clears throat> yeah. um, many people would have seen him in Dublin wrestling mm-hmm. with OTT uh, when you see that in some ways I guess that provides the you can look at that and say there is an avenue into yep. the higher reaches of American wrestling here 100% and I would say a lot of current um trainees would point to the Finn Balor debut in on Raw, um, Becky Lynch the kind of meteoric rise she had as the impetus for them to pursue it mm. previously I mean it would have been I mean I was always uh, like a huge admirer of Fergal Devitt like when he was Prince Devitt yeah. in New Japan and he was kind of the standard bearer for Irish wrestling at the time and then of course Seamus joined uh, WWE at circuit like 2009 so I think that, that, that's hugely influential for people who are, you know, thinking about it and, you know, to have a template to aspire to or someone to measure up to. Um, I think it's hugely important. I mean, we, we can kind of write ourselves off sometimes. It's like, ah, like that's, it's not feasible or it's not, put, it's not accessible for us, um, this little nation. But like, there's no reason why we can't do it. And we, we can continue to defy the odds, so to speak, yeah. in terms of producing amazing talent. Well, even when you consider um, Drew McIntyre became the first British-born champion yeah. as world champion of WWE not that long ago. And you're thinking, hold on, there's Irish wrestlers who've done this before him. Mm-hmm. And that's when the British wrestling scene has got a much longer history than here. And yeah. even for most of the Irish wrestlers who would have started off on this island, would have primarily gone to wrestle in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, like Fergal Devitt would have gone over to NWA Hammerlock. So there was, at that time, that was like 2001, that there was no Irish pro wrestling school. So him and, and Paul Tracy had to go over and learn an NWA Hammerlock and then basically take those learnings and basically started a new school like NWA Ireland which then transitioned into Fight Factory um, so I think yeah, the UK has been uh, kind of a fertile ground for Irish wrestlers in the past continues to do to be that way and that's somewhere I'd like to wrestle as well Yeah look I suppose they're in a bizarre place at the moment from both the Me Too movement a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and NXT UK and yeah. then eventually the fall of NXT UK mm-hmm. probably hurt a lot of the independent uh, no companies that were over there I wonder if your path might have been different if the UK had perhaps been more vibrant rather than going straight to the States Possibly possibly um, I think I've always had like an affinity to the States um, you know one of the um, best summers of my life was a J1 in Colorado and that kind of spurred this lifelong back and forth uh, between here and, and, and Denver um, so I always had a connection there which helps um, but yeah you're absolutely right like the, the UK scene who knows what heights it could have reached had there not been those major setbacks um, I'm sure it will rebuild and it is rebuilding um, and I guess like even with NXT UK folding there is talk of NXT Europe and you know that can that could be bigger and better you don't know um, and it could involve you know events in Paris and Barcelona London Dublin mm-hmm. So uh, interested to see how that develops. Tell me how you develop as a wrestler then, because you go from going in <clears throat> one day a week, very yeah. much part time, doing the day job. I'm going to go in on the beginner course, get a feel for this, maybe learn how to do a back bump properly, mm-hmm. how to do a front bump, and that turns to you doing, by your own words, flashy wrist lock maneuvers yeah. and um, reversals and a lot of technical wrestling. Yeah. How does it go from that day going into where you are right now? It just it's like a lifestyle shift, I would say. Um, I basically knew I had to treat it like an academic study. Um, and you know you have people going back to college later in life to do like an MBA or a master's but for me like the only 
uh, field worthy of study was pro wrestling um, and that's why I went to Fight Factory um, so I guess it, it's literally treating it like a degree or a college course um, and you want to go to a renowned reputable school and that's exactly what Fight Factory is so it involves like literally studying wrestling like obviously I enjoy it as a fan and I appreciate it deeply but I guess the studying it and like playing back clips recording them on my phone showing them to my trainers and say oh, I want to know how to do this move let's practice it 20 times that is my those those are my afternoons Tuesdays Thursdays sometimes the weekend too uh, going over these moves that I've saved on my phone um, and yeah it's kind of rudimentary approach but it, it, it pays off it's like you see something you want to emulate the only way to do that is to practice and uh, that's been that's been my journey how difficult is that journey though because compared to maybe you hear about the early stages your body, body is callousing mm. up a little bit maybe from taking yeah. the bumps and hitting the ropes uh, to the point that maybe you're getting to the point that you're fine tuning as opposed to just learning those very basic things yeah I guess it's just about having the time to focus on your body and your diet like I honestly don't think this would have been possible for me had I stayed in the corporate lane did it because- affect your career uh, no, I mean, I think like I, they're two very separate things. Like my, I'm self-employed as an independent copywriter, and that's um, that is the enabler of my dream chasing uh, because I don't have to be in an office nine to six, and that means I don't sit from nine to six, and my body isn't going through the you know the the toll of commuting or just sitting in an office or all the energy you expand, expand uh, like just small talk with, cl- with colleagues like that kind of exhausts you. So like, I would be I would have been daydreaming about this in years gone past but the reality of nine to six work just made it feel much more inaccessible because like, i just don't have the energy where am i going to fit it in um the the constraints of corporate life were so kind of all consuming so i think the biggest difference is having the to- having autonomy over my schedule means i can focus on yoga and pilates and stretching and sauna and swimming in the sea and doing all the things i can do to make sure I'm, i have the best chance of, of thriving in the industry so, it sounds quite different to the guys in the 80s who were mainly on cocaine unbelievable. and partying full yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. All, all credit to them. Like They had an incredible life, but again, that is not sustainable. And sadly, a lot of them meet a sad end yeah. when they go down that road. So I think wrestlers of this generation are much more like health conscious. Um, a lot of them are gamers. You know, like They don't have... Um, the vices of the booze and the parties. Yeah, it seems as, as much it's Nintendo Switch as opposed to hitting the town for the Yeah, I mean, and that's that's perfect because, I mean, you're not putting your body through, you're not, like, poisoning your body with substances. Uh, you're focused on your sleep and your well-being, and that's another thing I, I focus on uh, is, like, getting a, always getting enough sleep, making sure I'm in the right state mentally, um, and just kind of treating that as a priority over the, the corporate rat race, mm. which I did for, for many years prior. Were you going in with a reasonable athletic background before you started? Somewhat. I mean, I'm not particularly, I wasn't particularly athletic in school. Like, I was quite puny, actually. Uh, didn't make the rugby team. Didn't even try. Uh, <laughs> played soccer, football. Um, surfed a bit in college. Um, always had an interest in, like, the gym and weightlifting. And, um, and I think, honestly, like, subconsciously, I probably kept myself physically in physically good shape, knowing that I would eventually have the, the balls to go for it. Um, what age did we decide to go for it? By the way, well, I mean, I'm uh, so I'm 34 now. Okay, so I'm like actually like uh, kind of elder statesman. You're not um, quite DDP, but no, but like honestly, he'd be a huge inspiration to me. Like that's someone who was decided to go for it at 30, maybe over 30. Yeah. Um, so I, I was 32 when decided when I decided I wanted to do it. And again, that is in in a country like Ireland, that is you know would be balked at as like a choice. I'd say there were voices among family why and friends. Like, what you are you doing? What are you doing? Like oh, you just like this is um, unrealistic. You know, I think we we set. We're, we're terrible at setting 
boundaries around ourselves in terms of what's possible. I think that's why I love America so much is like that no matter what stage of life you're at, there's all you know, people never give up. Like just say you're you're married in the States and your mm. your life explodes, your wife divorces you. You just move people just move state. They change their lives, they start again, whereas I think here we get, we're quite regimented in like this is the way we should live. And I honestly think like post thirty in Ireland the way we can live is can be quite sedate and like just like to go there and get, like match up and mortgage and do this and just be normal. So yeah, it's it was uh, it's an unlikely story of starting at thirty two, and you know going to wrestle in the states within nine months is it's unusual. Yeah. But again, I, I the the fire is so strong that it pushes it, it, it kind of fuels you. Um, so yeah, very. Did fortunate. your wrestling coaches consider you to be a fairly quick learner? Then, if you're going accelerated that quickly, uh, I think so. I mean, I would be. I get a lot of encouragement from my trainers, uh, like LJ Cleary in particular has been very instrumental in. He's helping. an incredible wrestler. I'd absolutely, absolutely. Europe's best, I would say. Uh, he's been totally so instrumental in helping me learn because his style would be something I would love to emulate. Um, so you know, I think it's. Uh, I'm very proud to represent Fight Factory when I do go uh, to the States or, or elsewhere in the world um, because they've given me so much. They've given me the platform to succeed. And, you know, I would encourage anyone who has the same interest or, a, you know, a, a passion inside them to do it. Fight Factory is the place to go. Every couple of months they run these 10-week beginner courses. So it's a great way to kind of figure out, like, is it for you? Learn the fundamentals, learn the ropes, literally learn the ropes. Um, and then see if, if you want to use that as a, as a platform to develop further. So I would encourage anyone to keep an eye on uh, Fight Factory's Twitter at FFPW Ireland and their Facebook as well for any uh, upcoming uh, beginner courses um, because I've been a product of that, uh, alumni of that, and uh, proud to be to, to do it. You picked up an injury not that long ago because yeah. um, we were due to chat, I think, about five months yeah, ago, I think, yeah, was our yeah, original yeah. plan. And then you were like, I just got injured. Let's wait till I get back. Yeah. I'll be back in Ireland. We'll we'll have a chat then. So obviously injuries are setbacks along the way. Yeah. Were there any other difficulties that you felt along your journey over the last two years then? Honestly, it was just the physical constraints. It was like, that was the big question when I started. I'm like, right, at 32, what realistically, how far can I go? And how far will my body allow me to go? Mm. Um, and honestly, I've been, I think due to the fact that I've been doing DDP yoga for many, many years, coming up on a decade now, uh, I do Pilates, I, I kind of tailor my lifestyle to my physical well-being. Um, that has given me an edge. So I'm probably, you know, doing better than I should be at this age. Uh, now, injuries are kind of a constant uh, reality uh, with this industry. So I think, you know, the, the case in point, like November, I'm training in Florida four or five times a week for three hours at a time for six weeks. It was just a case of, right, like, um, like this is too much. So I've, I, I kind of hit the wall. Um, so that kind of made meant that I was laid up for a month. Well, got to watch the World Cup uh, in its entirety, literally nearly every game, uh, lying on the couch. So not the worst way to recover. Um, but it's just a case of you know making sure you're you're stretching properly and you're training the right muscles and not just trying to look big. Um, it's all about like uh, working. Uh, smarter not harder mm. uh, when you find yourself in Florida training at that point mm. it raises the obvious question you've gone into WWE's now hotbed for their development uh, you're in AEW territory when you're in mm -hmm. Florida as well was that part of the reason of going towards Florida or what brought you there yeah so it was funny I actually went to AEW's pay-per-view revolution mm -hmm. which was I believe March of 2022 yeah and 
while I was in town, I'm like, oh, the Flatbacks uh, Pro Wrestling School is in Orlando, and that's run by former WWE guys, uh, Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze. So I actually just stopped by. I, I was in touch with them before and just said I'd like to pop in for like a private session and just to get a feel for it. And they uh, they basically encouraged me to come back for their like eight, it's an eight week course they run and. I could see that as a potential platform to go even further mm-hmm. because I think once you get those like seals of approval from those kind of guys, they can put you places that you wouldn't get um, yourself unless you, you had 10, 10 years or 15 years. Yeah, I mean, work. you're grinding out, say, in Denver, but you're going to probably be spotted by the right people. When in, you're there. in Florida, Orlando, exactly. So it's a real hotbed for pro wrestling. So that was, um, obviously, it's, it's a nice place to spend October and November when, you know, we know what it's like here in Dublin. So, um yeah, that was, I'm, I'm actually planning on going back there later this year. And uh, Tyler Breeze is actually making his return. Uh, so that'll be a, a match I'd be very interested in. Mm. He, he was retired for a number of years. So that'll be fun. Uh, student-teacher matchup. Yeah. Um, potentially. I guess it's one of those as well where you've retained your fandom as part of this as well. And mm. before we came in, you mentioned you've been to AEW not that long ago. Yeah. And you really, really enjoy the AEW product. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be my, uh, like my weekly fix. Um, I think it's just the style of wrestling kind of resonates with me more. Um, yeah, so I'm constantly like taking video clips of in-match segments and trying to replicate those. So who do you like then? I'd be a big Kenny Omega fan. Yeah, um, very, um, very much into that kind of technical style, like the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Sabin in particular. That would actually be a dream match of mine. Someone I think I would match up well with, and it would be a, an honor to, to share the ring with him. Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So those uh, the guys who are on top, like the Young Bucks, but Kenny would be probably my most favorite. I think he's like the most complete wrestler at the moment um, and uh, yeah hopefully get to see him in uh, London in August yeah I mean this is mental um, if you consider Dave Meltzer's prediction was probably 50k would be mm. good going for all in Yeah, looks like with still a world title match to be announced CM Punk mm. not officially on the bill just mm-hmm. yet they could go 70,000, 80,000. Yeah, easy. So, um, I mean, I was, I've, I'm kind of been holding off on buying my ticket because I just don't know where I'll be mm. at that time. But it's getting to the point where you, you kind of need to buy it now for fear of missing out, which is insane because it's Wembley Stadium. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I'd say in the next few weeks, we'll probably know the main event. And at that point, you could be looking at a surge of interest. Like 10,000 tickets could be snapped up. So um, yeah, I might see you there, Will. It's kind of exciting, though, isn't it, that we had the best part of 20 years where WWE were the company and yeah. the only company, effectively. And like they plundered the indies. They plundered yeah, Ring yeah. of Honor and they brought all their top stars. And for about 10 years, you were looking at all the Ring of Honor stars going through NXT mm-hmm. and then onto the main roster. Now there is legitimately a few options yeah. for people to make money on TV in the States right now. Yeah, very viable. Uh, Impact's doing great. I mean, obviously, you have a Ring of Honor, which is attached to AEW. Um, so it's never been a better time. And I think going back to our previous point about seeing potential avenues towards your goal where whereas if it might be like seeing a Finn Balor seeing a JD McDonough seeing a Lyra Valkyria also seeing viable companies that are successful as and they are potential employers for people in this industry so I think having just a one one uh, one horse race with WWE you know I mean it's great for them and all but I think now with AEW and Ring of Honor and Impact doing well um and just the indie scene thriving in general, it makes it feel more accessible, um, which is what that, that, that can be great inspiration to people in uh, similar situations. I'm sure you're going to say to me, I wouldn't close the door to anywhere. Would Mexico and Japan potentially appeal to you if you were a technician? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, those would be two at the top of the list, particularly Japan. I think that's a, a Kurakun Hall, maybe somewhere like that would be a dream come true. Um, again, it's just about getting there and getting recognized and 
it's so it's somewhere where the bar is so high and rightfully so to make it there but i think that'd be an absolute dream and uh yeah just having watched so many super junior matches over the years it is you'd be kind of very surreal to actually you know be in a similar setting maybe not at that level but you know in a, in a tokyo or in osaka um that'd be kind of out of, out of this world Tell us about your character then, because one thing getting <clears throat> physically ready. Uh, yeah. I watched you cut a promo on a Facebook video yesterday, which I think was oh, in yeah. Temple Bar, possibly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think you Last were, summer. Yeah, I think you were, you yeah. were plugging your teachers and you were plugging yeah. your, the wrestling school. Yeah. And uh, you were saying, you know, you're here to take over, essentially, yeah. is almost the character. Tell us about your, your character, whether it be face or heel. Yeah, so I guess, like, I mean, most people, if they're working in some industry, like, they'll have a kind of fake corporate persona designed to thrive in that environment mm. um, and the wrestling industry is no different um, whereas like I have um, my character is basically myself with the volume turned up um, Jack Moody is an international man of mystery he's someone who like carefree travels the world can uh, turn up anywhere at any time um, and I can be a, gu- a good guy or a bad guy depending on the circumstances so I've become adept at like figuring out ways to antagonize uh, fans or uh, figure out ways to get You're them You're not behind. quite slapping kids like MJF. No, or. absolutely not. <laughs> but, you know, verbally I can be quite uh, cutting uh, when, when, I, when I need to be. And I think, uh, especially in America, that's such an interesting place to be where, you know, they want to embrace the Irishman, but what if the Irishman doesn't want to be embraced by the Americans? What if he feels he's above them? What if he feels like, you know, he's internationally renowned and well-traveled, sophisticated, and they don't have passports? And so it's, those those kind of ways can be very like that gets under their skin, and <laughs> you can turn them you can turn cheers into booze very quickly, and that's so much fun. That's like kind of pantomime style uh, villain. So you uh, prefer working heel then, do you? I li- I enjoy both. I mean, I think um, that my wrestling style is more more of a face, I would say, and I've kind of deliberated on what kind of character direction to take based on the style of wrestling mm-hmm. that I like because it's quite evasive and. Uh, somewhat impressive in, in the sense that I'm evading uh, uh, attacks through means that are quite flashy and intricate. Which is naturally going to get you a cheer. Exactly. So so it's a case of when I am a heel, it's like, okay, well, I can tone some of these things down. Um, chin locks. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And uh, so, you know, sometimes I have to put the chain wrestling on the shelf, sadly, but it's for the greater good of putting on a, a show and having uh, kind of a compelling match for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, where people are invested and they care about the outcome. What's the reality then when you go back over, whether that's to Florida or whether it's to Denver and you're looking to get bookings? How does that work from there? I mean, at this point, I have very good connections with a lot of the promoters there. um, And that's kind of stemmed from last summer where, you know, one show turned into several. Um, So it's a case of letting people know when you're available, really. It's just um, at this point, you know, it's like going to conferences and networking. You go to these shows and you get to know people and they're, you know, they want to, uh, extend the olive branch and give you an opportunity so I'm very fortunate that I have made very strong connections in these parts of the world which makes it easier then to uh, get on shows Because people hear about the grueling on the road nature of being one of the big companies when you're working indie you're trying to pick up as much work as you possibly can, yeah. probably a lot of travel involved mm. how much of a slog is the lifestyle? It's. I, I would say I wouldn't have the, the most intense, like there's so many indie wrestlers who are like on the go constantly mm. and like racking up like 50 plus flights or maybe more like maybe 100 flights a year like I wouldn't be on that level anywhere near yeah. um, but it is grueling it's like the constant uh, moving around like being on planes is never fun uh, going to airports is not fun uh, not good for your body so it's a case of knowing my limits I think I was dealt the lesson last year when I realised okay I've hit the wall I need to take a break for a month or two um, so I, I guess it's I don't want to absorb too much punishment and you're going to have to look out for yourself because naturally the people who are booking you 
they see you as a person who's on the card for that night. Yeah. Your own goodwill or your own particular welfare is not that important to them. No, I mean, like, yeah, you hate to say it like that, but it's true. Like, you are an asset mm. to them, to their show. Um, so, yeah, sometimes you have to say no. I mean, that's like very, unf- sometimes there's shows you want to do, but you mightn't feel you're healthy enough or you're ready for it uh, if you're recovering from an injury, for example. So, sometimes you just have to know when to say no and know when you've reached your limit or when you have to take a step back. Uh, because, you know, if you just keep going full tilt, hell for leather, like you will hit the wall. Um, that's just the nature of the business. You're home now at the moment. Yeah. Um, is there ever any draw towards potentially going for, I guess, a competing company, I would say, an OTT? Um, I saw a good bit of OTT before the pandemic and some mm-hmm. of the wrestlers they were working was just insane. Yeah. Uh, they had Jushin Liger, they mm-hmm. had Pac, they yeah, yeah. had Session Mark Martina, yeah, yeah. they've had Walter, mm-hmm. they've had who's who? Jordan Devlin. Uh, who's like who? It's been incredible, some of the people they've attracted. Yeah. We were just saying, I think back in 2018, it was one of the only places in the world where you could see AEW contracted people up against yeah, WWE wrestlers, mad. and someone from New Japan might be in the next yeah. uh, match. But they've built like a really interesting ecosystem within yeah. Ireland for themselves, and they sell out events regularly. Mm-hmm. Is OTT somewhere you would like to wrestle at some point? Oh yeah, absolutely. Eventually, I think it's just a case of me being here long enough uh, in the the country to train at their school and become more familiar with uh, the booker I mean I think I've taken an unusual path in that I kind of once I was had nine months training under my belt I was immediately gone uh, across the pond so I really haven't had time to dedicate like because I think I, I would need to be here for a sustained period of time just to you know embed myself into that ecosystem but definitely on the on the wish list it's just a case of making the time and being here long enough uh, because I am back and forth quite a lot it makes that uh, I'm just a transient transient yeah. guy right now because as much as you can probably make your name in the states naturally the indigenous scene if I want to call it that here in Ireland is going to be largely based on probably the wrestling school you're associated mm-hmm. with the time that you spend training there as opposed to almost like you're looking to be flown in as an outsider to a card there, mm-hmm. potentially. Yeah, very much so. And, and actually, in about two weeks' time, Fight Factory presents the Fresh Life Summer Party, which is basically Ireland's Summer Slam. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be Friday night, July 7th. I'll be performing there. And that, that's going to be a show full of top European talent. Uh, so very excited. That's my first match back in Dublin since last summer, last August, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. So very excited for that. Do you enjoy um, performing at home? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's such a... I mean, you can get your friends to come see. I mean, I can't get my friends to hop on a flight to Denver no. to, for one show um, or California or Florida. So I guess when you're home, it's a special feeling because you know you can round up some crew, like your family, loved ones, friends, um, who have all been very supportive. And uh, it's also, you know, BYOB, people can bring a bag of cans. I would encourage anyone who's interested in, in like, some have a passive interest or a passionate interest in wrestling to come check out the show and uh, and support Irish wrestling. Uh, indie shows are crazy. Yeah. Um, again, you talk about bring your own beer. Uh, I remember being at the National Stadium at a show and Orange Cassidy was just sitting there watching the main event and we got chatting to him. And next yeah. thing, six months later, he's a TV champion on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get that naturally in many other, uh, let's no. say, entertainment no. events that you might go to yeah quite participatory and I would encourage anyone who you know has uh, has an interest in the in the wrestling scene like you can go you can beer you can cheer, cheer boo um, get involved heckle shout abuse um I mean, the bag of cans makes it more. It makes it easier for people to well, be a bit outlandish. Too, exactly, yeah. and they can be a bit more outlandish. And they might feel when they're in that environment that they're like, I could do something like this. So I think having those intimate settings, and Fight Factory is a great example of this, 
where the the fans are right up there close to the ring they can really get close to the action um, so I think that's great in terms of encouraging more people to get involved whether they want to be like a manager or a referee or like in production or a wrestler um, there's a, a way to do it and Fight Factory is a great place to do it that's next month rest of the year what do you want to achieve so I'll be back across the pond uh, next month um, and in August um, Canada debut is on the horizon so that's exciting never been to Canada um, going to Winnipeg Manitoba uh, uh, of Simpsons uh, lore that's <laughs> it back to Winnipeg um, so very excited for that and uh, yeah maybe Toronto as well so those are kind of evolving situations right now um, and then I, I would like to come back and do a couple more months here where I'm you know here consistently because here now I'm like this kind of absent father that comes in and checks in and like yeah. he's, he's there for a while but then he's gone uh, so I would like to have a, a kind of a more um, sustained period here um, whether that's three to six months and then to see where that takes me um, and then of course in the in the coming years Japan Mexico will be very high on the list and I think they're both attainable it's just a case of you know staying injury free staying healthy getting the doors staying, open exactly staying motivated and uh, and yeah we'll see where it goes well keep an eye on your progress uh, Winnipeg quite aside from we're going to turn the car around is <laughs> also the home of Don Callis that's uh, right yeah Kenny Omega yeah. of Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho absolutely famous you remember someone said go back to Toronto he said I'm yeah, Winnipeg, Winnipeg idiot, idiot. Yeah. Um, which is a, a great smackdown moment yeah, Look, yeah. we'll keep an eye on your progress as well thanks a million for coming in and oh, my uh, pleasure. sharing your story so far yeah thanks for having me